Okay. All right, so uh, tonight... Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, that's from Stranger Things. So, um, hey, that was awesome. We're doing that every week. I can't wait. Every week. Um, you know, there's a, great, there's a great verse in the Bible called... Um, in the Bible, in a book called Isaiah, uh, where God is quoted saying this. So, uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, right? So there's this, there's this imagery, this reality that God is drawing a boundary between man and God, right? That God's ways, His thoughts, the way that He does things, uh, the kingdom of God, if you're familiar with that language, is just is otherly than what we experience on a day-to-day basis. And people over history uh, called theologians who study the Bible have picked up on this reality, and they've called God's kingdom, they've referred to it often as the upside-down kingdom, right? Where there is a, there is a, a, a world that we experience in our day-to-day life uh, that is, is different or otherly than how God intended things to be. And often God's ways, like that verse says, are not our ways, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And as far as the heavens are from the earth, so are God's ways above ours, right? People, um, you know, 1 Samuel, uh, we're going we're gonna to be studying First uh, and Second Samuel this, this year. And First and Second Samuel is all about the kingdom of God. And we're going to be dialoguing and looking at this idea of what is God's upside-down kingdom and what does it mean to live upside down in the right side up. And you're probably, whoa, what does that mean? I'll tell you, right? I'll tell you what that means, right? So, um, but anyway, tonight we're going to be looking at a passage uh, that's known as Hannah's Song. It's from 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10, and it really does function kind of like as a summary passage of the whole entire book of First and Second Samuel. Um, so let's read it. To you. I'll read it out loud together. It'll be up on the screen, and, um, and then I'll pray, and then we'll kind of dive in. Uh, to, to what we mean by this, rea- this concept of God's upside-down kingdom. So let's, let's look at this together. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none, like, there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly, let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry cease to hunger. The barren have borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn or forgotten. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol, the place of the dead, and raises up. The Lord um, makes the poor and makes rich. Um, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Let's pray. Uh, Father, it is, um, it is so great to be together this evening. Uh, to be back um, as a student ministry, to, to play together. 
to have fun together, to eat together, together, and now just to listen to what you have to tell us from your word. And God, we do pray that you would teach us what it means uh, to live as upside-down people in your upside-down kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, well, um, I love to watch TV, um, and I love to watch TV not because of like, I just like need a break from life, and like, oh, I need to watch TV, my life's so terrible. I gotta, I gotta take some of my mind off of things. I love to watch specifically Netflix and Hulu and things like that because I love good stories. And I feel like nowadays, good stories really do come in the, through the medium of shows, right? So uh, one of the good stories that I really like is a story called, or the show called Stranger Things. How many of you have seen Stranger Things before? Some of you have, some of you don't. I'm not recommending it. I don't know. Talk to your parents about if it's, if it's okay for students. I, only, I know that it's not okay for three-year-olds or one-year-olds because <laughs> that's what I have. I don't know what about you guys. But, um, but for adults who are 34 like myself, I, I, I like it. Um, but without really spoiling anything, let me, let me tell you a little bit about uh, what Stranger Things is all about. So basically in this small town, there's this mysterious facility that is running these like unknown experiments. And the first season begins with this young girl named Eleven who shows up in this small town who has just escaped this like mysterious facility like for, for unknown reasons, we'll say. And this, uh, this young girl is really important because she has these like special powers, right? I think the word you use is, people use is tele, what, tele, connect, kinetic, telekinetic powers, right? She can move things with her minds, whatever, and she can do other things. But as you watch the show, you learn that her powers have unlocked this world within the world called the Upside Down. And according to the internets, uh, uh, it says this, uh, the Upside Down in this show is an alternate dimension existing in parallel to the human world that is controlled by the Mind Flayer, right? That's like the big enemy of the show. It's called the Mind Flayer, and he has all these Demogorgons that go out and do his bidding. But the Mind Flayer, right? And the, and the, and the whole agenda of the Mind Flayer is who is... Oh, he's not in this. I thought I did that picture. He's this big thing. He's not, in, he's not up there on the slide. But the whole idea of the Mind Flayer is that, is that he is seeking not only dominion over the upside-down world, but he's trying to break, in, break into the real world and take over and spread darkness, you know, all over, all over the world. Um, and... Um, yeah, so, um, so what happens is Eleven unlocks the gate, which allows the monsters, these monsters, to go in and out of the upside down into the real world or the right side up, whatever you want to call it. And it's creating havoc in this small town and people are going missing. And these kids, along with Eleven, seek to kind of like restore order and push back the Demogorgons and, and the Mind Flayers and to close up the gate so that the upside down is closed forever. And I'll just, uh, I'll just leave it at that. But the upside down in Stranger Things is a great illustration to communicate the upside down of God's kingdom, right? God is a king who is bringing about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, which some of you may be familiar with in the Lord's Prayer. You see, the kingdom of God is an alternative, alternate dimension existing in parallel to the human world, right? Kind of like that definition that I read, right? There's a, there's a world within our world, so to speak, that is known as the kingdom of God that is breaking forth in all things, everywhere, at all times, right? Maybe you heard the term the already and the not yet, right? That Jesus was king, he's on the throne, but he hasn't fully established his kingdom forever and he will come back again in his second coming to reclaim and, and finish what he has started. So we're in the in-between, right? Where God's kingdom is fully conquered, but it isn't yet fully realized. And we live, we still experience pain, sin, and death, but, but, but the, the reality is that pain, sin, and death has not uh, does not have its dominion over the world anymore. 
in that Jesus has pushed back the curse of death and he is bringing about the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of resurrected life. And, and the biblical story really is an incredible story. And I don't know how well you know it, but, but those who find themselves, maybe you're this person, trusting in Christ's salvation, right? It's not just a great thing, like, ooh, I get to, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But you also find yourself playing a major role in God's bringing about His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Like, He saves you for a purpose, right? It's not just, He does love you, and He does delight in you, but He also equips you. And it's calling you to something. And it's to create the upside-down kingdom in the right side up. Uh, One pastor says, The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It doesn't work the way the kingdoms or systems of this world do. Jesus came to to save the weak and shame those who think they are strong. God picks those who the world picks last. And there is no room for pride or arrogance in the kingdom of God. Because the arrogant will be crushed and the humble will be lifted up. That's kind of what we just read in Hannah's song from 1 Samuel 2. And it is, it is good news that God's kingdom and God's ways are different than our ways and our systems, is it not? It's good news that there is an upside-down kingdom where the dead rise to life and that there is something beyond the right now that we know exists and we can give our lives to. Because we could be a fragile people, can't we? who are often subject to the world that we live in, right? We have barriers, we have limitations, all kinds of things. But there is good news and there is great hope that the world, this world is not all there is and that there is a king above all kings and a lord above all lords and a god above all gods and a kingdom above all kingdoms. And 1 Samuel 2, 1 and 10 reminds us that because God is the upside-down God, we can have the upside-down life. And that's what I'm trying trying to communicate is that, is that it's not just that God is the upside-down God. He's holy, he's different, he's otherly. He's not like the rulers of this world. He's not like your bosses. He's not like your teachers. He's otherly, right? He is, his love, he is love, he is pure, he is light, he is sovereign, he is eternal, he is the creator, he is good, he is just, he is different than anything that we can ever imagine. And because of his difference, he invites us to live what we're calling the upside-down life. And the first thing is that we live, we can have the upside-down life where salvation is secure. And I don't know what you think about when you think about this idea of salvation, um, but, 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 but it's really great here because um, I don't know if you know much about Hannah. We'll actually talk more about Hannah next week. But Hannah, um, she couldn't have a kid. She was married. She was, there, was, there was Hannah and then um, Eli's second wife. Uh, he was, she was... He was married to two people. The one, one uh, lady, I can't remember her name right now, but um, we'll talk about her next week, had a bunch of kids and she couldn't, right? And, and if you lived as a female uh, back in the days of the judges and, and Samuel were written, uh, you, were, you had value based upon the ability of kids, right? Because if you lived back then and, you know, nations and armies didn't really exist yet, so who protected you? Your children, Right? You had to have lots of kids so that you could raise up an army to save yourself from people who are trying to take your stuff, right? That makes sense. Um, or you had a big farm and you had lots of cattle or lots of whatever they would grow, wheat and stuff, and you needed people to work the farms, right? And what was the cheapest way probably to get some, get some workers? Is to have a baby, right? You could buy servants and stuff, but that was a little more expensive. 
people, right? So, so, so kids were, were your greatest possession. So therefore, if you couldn't have kids, what were you viewed as? Worthless, right? And Hannah, in her day and age, because she was barren, she was worthless. And she was an outcast, and she was not seen. She was not heard. She was not cared for. She was not loved. And then what we read, and right at the beginning of, 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 of 1 Samuel, which again we'll talk about next week, is that Hannah gets the ability to have what? A kid. And the Lord visits her in her affliction, and the Lord remembers her, and the Lord sees her, and she gives birth to Samuel. And when she gives birth to Samuel, she's overcome with joy, and she writes out this song. And the first one, she says this, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. And the thing about the upside-down life really has to do with where we find our joy. And it's really fascinating to me, it's with the story and the testimony of Hannah, that where does she find her source of joy? In the ability to have kids now? No. Right? In the ability to, to now have kids and create an army so that she could be protected? No. In the ability to, to harvest this wheat that she's been growing, that she's had no kids to, to pick up? No. What does she do? She actually gives her son over to the Lord. He becomes a priest whose name is Samuel. Again, we'll get into that later. Right? So he actually doesn't go and work the fields. But what? Where is her salvation? Where is her joy? In the Lord's salvation. And that's the first thing to the upside-down kingdom, is our joy is not in what we can have, what we can acquire. Our joy is not found in what people think of us, right, that we make everybody happy all the time. But our joy is found in the salvation of the Lord, and that the Lord sees the unseen. And we maybe not be barren like Hannah, but we all have this thing called spiritual barrenness. We have the inability to produce fruits of righteousness, right? Uh, we can't do things that are right standing before God, right? We have this curse over us called sin and death. We're all barren, right? We can't give birth to walking with Jesus. But God sees us in our affliction, and he sends Christ on our behalf to do what? To save, save us, to give us Christ's fruit of righteousness, so that we too can have whose song? Hannah's song, so that we can rejoice in our barrenness that the Lord has seen us in our affliction and that we can be sure of our salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Right? And that's why Hannah sings, right? She doesn't sing about, you know, she sings because she's secure in her salvation in a world that is what? Very insecure, right? You didn't live at the time of the Judges, but if you, if you ever read the book of Judges, there's some really, like, there's, you can't make movies about this stuff. It would, you, it would, like, it would, be, too, it would be too, like, gross and obscene. You know, it puts, uh, what's that zombie movie that everybody eats everybody that I can't watch? It puts Walking Dead to shame, you know, like, like the stuff that happens in Judges is crazy. Um, the, the world that Hannah was in, right, Judges ends and then Samuel begins, in case you're wondering. Um, it, was, it was not a good life, right? And as we keep reading, we, we also see that the upside down life is not a life where the strong are the best, but actually where the weakness, where weakness, where the weaker are the strong. Right, and if you just you know read through this, I'm not going to read through all this because I just read through it. But, but let me just let me let me just tell you um, what these verses say. Right, so these verses teach us all about how things work in God's economy. They teach us all about who God is and how He operates. They teach us about God's upside down kingdom, and that in that kingdom, the way up is the way down, and the way to be filled with God's Spirit is to be emptied. Right. Here in this passage, we see these things, that the weak are what? Strong, and that the strong are what? Weak. 
we see that the hungry are satisfied and those who were satisfied are, are giving themselves and selling themselves for food, right? We see the barren give birth, and that's just not, Hannah's talking about herself, but she's also talking about the nation of Israel, that they, there was a spiritual barrenness amongst the nation of Israel at the end of Judges that now has, now has seen the first fruits of, of Samuel, the birth of Samuel, right? Um, um, you know, the dead are brought to life. She's talking about resurrected life. Um, that the poor are made rich, the low are exalted, the disgraced are honored, the vulnerable are protected, right? This is God's kingdom. That the way in is the way is actually down. It's not up. It's not standing before God and say, look at all these things that I have and that I've done. It's to say, God, I can't. Help me, right? It's to say, God, I'm poor. God, I have nothing. I'm low. I And that's, and God will see you in your affliction. And like Hannah, like I've said, he will call your name and call you his. God is in the business of giving strength to the weak and to be our help in our greatest time of need. And I, I probably don't have to explain this to you, but, but you probably know as 7th to 12th grade students that the world that you live in can be kind of hard. It can, it can be kind of cruel to you, <laughs> right? Um, friends that you had at the end of the school year last year don't talk to you now for some reason. You don't know why. Uh, the girl that you liked doesn't like you in return. Uh, the guy that you like doesn't like you in return, right? And you're w- maybe wondering, what's wrong with me? Why don't people like me? Um, <laughs> right. Um, you know, you maybe have tried out for the team or for the play, and you, and you, and you, didn't, get, you didn't get it, right? And, and you're wondering, am I enough, right? Because I wasn't selected. I don't know. Just You, you, you know what it's like to be forgotten, I'm, I'm, I could probably count on that. You know what it's like to be unseen, and you know what it's like to be, you know, like I said, just for, for simply just forgotten. Um, it doesn't take much to remind us, even as young people like you guys, you have a lot of energy, a lot of strength, of your weakness, limitations, and insecurities. But, but here's the good news, is that in the upside down, in God's economy, weakness is strength, because it is the weak who God sees and it is the weak who God is pleased to raise up, give strength to, guard, and to save. And that's what we see in Hannah's song. And I, and I think I've told you, you know, transitioning to, to, to this. Um, you're like, what is that? I'll tell you. So um, I, I think I may have told this before, but I think that this is a great, to me, this is a great illustration of God's upside-down kingdom. So basically, in, in, I have a friend who's a pastor in New Orleans. And uh, New Orleans is like, is known for parades, okay? There's always parades, he said. If, there's, if somebody dies, they have a parade in the street. Like, they carry the co- coffin, and, like, there's, like, the band, and they're playing songs, and everybody's dancing, which is a great funeral. So, um, you know, if there's a wedding, like, that's, the, that's what the wedding does. Like, you come out of the church, and, like, you have a parade in the street. Like, Mardi Gras is a big parade. They have big St. Paddy's Day parades. And apparently, he said that sometimes people are just, like, they're, like, playing music together, and they'll just start like like playing music in the streets, and then people will gather, and there'll be a parade. It's just like people just do that. I don't know. Why, I don't know why, but they just do it. But 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 he said that he told this story once of a girl in uh, of a young girl in his um, congregation who had mental handicapped, who was mentally handicapped, and it was pretty noticeable. And um, she um, 
at these at these parades, there's often like the king and the queen of the parade, and like there'll be like the, the kind of like the structure. It probably is loose, but like you start off with like the bands play, and then like the 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 floats come after that, and then the queen follows that, the queen of the king, and like you know, that's people throw their beads, and they're like you know, it's like this symbol symbolism, like this person's on display, and this is like the this is called like the Zulu. The Zulu one, because like apparently there was like Zulu was a tribe in Africa, and there was a lot of Zulu people who migrated to New Orleans. So there's like the Zulu parade, and there's the Zulu queen every year. So that's what this is from. But um, anyway, so this girl, this handicapped girl, like um, she loved the queen of the parade, right? She would wait the whole time. She would love for when the when the music would go through. She'd just be waiting, waiting, waiting for this queen. She thought the queen was so beautiful and so wonderful, and she was just so excited about the queen. But one, one parade, he tells me, he, he tells the story, is that at one parade, there was this drunk group of, like, young guys who were, who were standing close to her during the parade and were, like, making fun of her the whole time. Like, making fun of her handicapped, saying, you know, mean things to her and doing all this stuff. And she was just so, like, disrupted and so saddened and she was, you know, so overcome with despair. And her parents were there, too, that they just, they, they for her safety, just got out of there. And what happened was, so they, they have parishes, like they don't, they talk like neighbors of a parish. So the parish that this little girl was a part of and that included this guy's church and a bunch of these like businesses, and these weren't Christian businesses or restaurants, they heard about what happened. And what they did is they called all the resources together and they had a special parade for this, for this girl and they made her the queen of the parade. So instead of like, you know, her being the one who was like waiting for the queen, she got to be the queen, right? And it was really beautiful and really wonderful because you have this person who has physical limitations, who was shamed by the people of this world, who was viewed as, as almost and treated like she wasn't human. She was brought low and then she was built up to this place of beautiful honor and dignified in a beautiful way. And she was made queen of the parade, right? And I tell you that because... Many times, you know, um, you know, many times we place value on people, right? Not in the upside down, but in the right side up, right? We, we, we don't listen to how God tells us about who people are and their beauty and their dignity. And instead, we place value upon people based upon how they look, how they dress, what they have, right? What they can give to us, right? We have a lot of transactional relationships and friendships, where people are just a means to our own, our own end, right? Um, we think that they have the biggest house, the most expensive car, or whatever is some, makes you somehow better than somebody else. We think that those who are most popular and have the most friends have it all together, even though they, they many, many times they don't. In the world that we live in, this reality, right, the way that we value humanity, it's inescapable, right? It's transactional. We treat people like another commodity to be traded, and therefore, when we treat people that way, the, the people who can give us the least and the people who, don't, who have limitations, right, physical limitations, mental limitations, emotional limitations, they're forgotten and left behind. Those who are low are kept low. Um, and, and we all have this ideal of, 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 of the person that we aspire to be, don't we? The, the queen that we aspire to be. Like this girl wanted to be the queen. That's why she was so, you know, in, so, so overcome with the queen of the parade because she wishes she was the queen, right? We all, we, all, we all have that person, that type of person that we want to give honor to. We all have that, that type of person that we long to become. And my question to you is who is that person? And where did you learn 
who that person is. Did you learn that person from the upside-down kingdom of God, or did you learn that person from the right-side kingdom of this world, right? Um, in the kingdom of God, in the upside-down, the ideal human beings are not the ones who are full, the ones who are rich, the ones who are strong, or the ones who are proud. Rather, the ideal human being, the one whom God sees and puts his affection upon, are the poor, the sick, the needy, and the lowly. Those who God honors and sees are those who are low, who are nothing. So if you find yourself at times like that little girl where you simply don't fit in for whatever limitation that you have, uh, know that you're in good company and you're close to the kingdom of God. Right? Isn't that beautiful? If you find yourself low, rest assured that you are in good company and it is the Lord who exalts the low and gives honor to the needy. And that's what's beautiful about God's kingdom and about the upside down is that, you know, it forces us to think about what do we celebrate in people and why do we celebrate these things in people? You know, do we see people like God sees people, right? Do we see the low among us? Do we see that ourselves are low, right? That we have a limitation, that we can't produce the fruits of righteousness desire to stand before God confidently, that we need Him, we need Christ, we need His work on our behalf. To live in the upside down means that you live upside down, right? That you are just like the people in that parish who exalt the low, who see the unseen, who are compassionate, because you yourself have experienced the compassion of God. He is changing you. So, yeah, as we read in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10, because God is the upside-down God, because His ways are not our ways, we can live the upside-down life. We have the power to do so, that He is provided by His salvation to us in Christ, but also, too, a continually working out of our own weakness so that He can be made strong and be made great. I'll, I'll read this. Um, that's, I love this Philippians 2, 4 through 11, and then we'll be done. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, th- who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore Christ has highly exalted him, God has highly exalted him, Christ, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, it's, it's, it's Jesus who is the upside-down Savior. Um, many who were alive at the time of Jesus thought that, he, that you know, the true Messiah, or the true Christ, would come, and you know, he'd raise up an army to, to deliver the Jews from the hands of the, of the Romans, right? Um, However, Jesus didn't accomplish our salvation with a sword, right? Rather, he accomplishes our salvation by giving up his life for us, emptying himself so that we could be made, so that we could be exalted and saved. He chose the way of humility by emptying himself on the cross so that we too could die to ourselves and trust in Christ and follow him into the upside down. And that's what we've been doing this, this year, is that we're looking at what is the upside down? And we're looking at certain themes, like what is friendship and the upside down? What does that look like? 
What does true joy look like in the upside down? What is hap- what happens when you live upside down in the upside down? Which you're probably, what does that mean? Well, if you know the story of, of David and Bathsheba, he lived upside down in the upside down, which is really right side up, which is really the wrong way. So, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But let me pray for us, and I really invite you to come, come back, and um, and um, after I pray, we'll transition to a time of um, uh, of our breakout groups. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time to be together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for um, just the, the hope that we have in Jesus and that um, you are the upside-down God who um, provides the upside-down life. And I pray that you would help us this week to live as a people who are weak so that we can trust in you and be made strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.